Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Blessing to see the kids uh, in here. Um, we're not going to do hand motions for all the songs and everything. Uh, and uh, that would probably be good because we'd have a tough time. My daughter has been practicing the hand motions to all the songs uh, in the midst of our home like it's really serious stuff. So uh, um, my son hasn't so much practiced to those things. Uh, we're gonna. We figured out some things about Vacation Bible School. We're gonna have uh, the girl next year. We're gonna have the girls sing, and then after they sing, we're gonna have the boys do a wrestling demonstration <laughs> up on stage here. We feel that be more appropriate um, for the boys. A couple of things I just want to tell you in the life of our church. Obviously, uh, we had a great week at Vacation Bible School, and. Uh, we just trust that uh, events like that are going to be a part of what we desire for kids and and rescuing families. Uh, we realize that uh, as part of a family, our kids are at risk every day, and uh, and we're at risk as well to chase after things that will never satisfy us. And so uh, as we invest in our kids, we realize we're investing in families as well, and I trust that God will use that somehow uh, to honor himself here at Bear Valley Church. We've had a great week. Uh, we had Vacation Bible School, which kept our our place hopping here. Uh, the uh, workers were a blessing to see. Uh, we're grateful for that. And then last week, last Sunday, we just had a great day uh, out at our picnic. And I, I, it was just so great to see our church together. It was great to see you talking with one another and enjoying one another's time and uh, fellowship as well as, uh, for me, it was an enjoyment to see you all. And uh, so I'm just super thankful for what God is doing here. I really believe that it's what God is doing. Uh, it's not what I am doing or what you are doing, uh, that God is at work in our midst. And uh, we're super thankful for what he is doing. I uh, want to preach from God's word, so open up to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you um, down through chapter 4, verse 1 this morning, starting at verse 17. God's word says this, uh, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord, and not for men knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. God, I ask that you would bless our time as we seek to be before your word. I pray that you would mark each of our hearts, that you would change us. And if there's any wicked way in us, that you would remove that. Um, 
even as we have sung that we were asking to be cleansed and clean hands and a pure heart. God, that does not come uh, from us working hard and from us being wise, but you doing a work in us. And so we ask for that now. We ask that your Holy Spirit would meet with us to teach us, to change us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. These last few messages uh, we've been talking about has been talking about a relationship with Christ, a relationship with Him. And this relationship with Christ, the big relationship, is impacting every other relationship. It's impacting a relationship that a wife has with her husband and a husband has with his wife. It has an impact on how children look at their uh, terrible parents that they have. Hypothetically, not the ones that are represented here, but if they would have that, it's Christ in them would impact that relationship that a child would have to their, their parents, as well as the way parents would deal with their unruly, rebellious children that weren't represented by all the cute kids that were up here or at vacation Bible school this week. I didn't see too much of it, just a little. Anyways. This is what we're, we're in this relationship. And I think as I, I've been going through this and studying this, I've been reminded that when we are going about our day, as we're in relationship, whether that be with our neighbor, our coworker, uh, the people who are making our sandwiches, you know, as we go out to lunch, the people who take our money when we purchase something, that we look at all those relationships, all the relationships of life, and say, how does my relationship with Christ impact my relationship with them? And now today we turn to a passage about slaves and masters. That seems kind of odd, doesn't it, for us? When you hear the word slave or slavery, uh, boy, that brings up ugly things in the history of our country, doesn't it? Uh, is slavery right? You guys are a little slow for Sunday morning. Maybe you just thought I was giving you a trick question, but I think that it's pretty clear that we understand that the idea of someone owning somebody else, that that's wrong. That's wrong. I want to ask you a question. Is slavery a part of our country? Yes, yes. Uh, it's a part of our country that most of us, as we understand it, are not particularly proud of. It's something that we don't like the idea. In fact, as we study it, uh, people are changing the details over time, trying to uh, uh, somehow find it more. Uh, to, it's just difficult for us to sort through because it bothers us so much. Slavery. It's interesting, this passage doesn't make a whole lot of judgment calls whether slavery is right or whether it's good to be a master or good to be a slave. It just talks about slavery. And in fact, there's two or three other places in the New Testament where it talks about it in a similar sense. And we're waiting, uh, as good Americans, as we read this, for God to say, slavery is wrong, abolish it in your country, in your land. And it really doesn't say that. It really doesn't say that. And so it kind of makes us nervous as we come to passages like this. The reason that slavery is wrong, uh, I would go to really creation. 
And as you realize from the book of Genesis and following on why we respect people throughout history is this one thing, that everyone has been created in the image and likeness of God, that there is some worth in them, even uh, the worst of sinners, there's some worth in them because they were created in the image and likeness of God. And yet in this passage, it just talks about slaves and masters. This morning, uh, as we think about this passage, I want you to know that uh, possibly up to 50% of those people who would have been reading this letter in the, in the, ta- in the city of Colossae, as they would have gathered, possibly up to 50% of the people would have been slaves. Okay? If you can picture that in our town, in, in the great city of Tehachapi, if there were 50% of the people were slaves, and then what would the other 50% be? Probably masters, right? Probably masters. Those, and, and most of them, the idea being is they would have some type of small business. Uh, they didn't have a Cisco Systems. They didn't have Bank of America back in those days. Uh, they, they didn't have some of these huge companies It was mostly just small business owners working within their city and community. So as you think about that, you think about half were masters or at least uh, free men, free men and women that that could live and do what they wanted to do. And the other half were probably uh, slaves of some sort. I think sometimes we look at slaves as unskilled workers. And yet I was interested to find out this week that... uh, Sometimes doctors and lawyers and real professional type people were slaves as well. Can you imagine the idea of your doctor that th- you think owns you as, as you pay your thousands of dollars to let them practice on you? you know? uh, it, it, that, that person in the city of Colossae quite possibly could have been a slave as well. So there was professional type skilled people and there were also the, the, the workers in the home, the, the workers of the field that were slaves as well. Paul the Apostle, as he looks at the people in the church of Colossae, he addresses slaves and masters. And many people believe that this is just an extension of the home. You realize that he's talked about the, the husband-wife relationship the relationship between children and parents. And now he says slaves and masters in continuing that that would have been the household. Many times they lived, the slaves lived in the adjoining house or even within the house of those who they were slaves to. You think through even uh, if you want to read a little bit about the slave culture and just a beautiful picture, it's very short. The, The book of Philemon in the New Testament and the book of Philemon, I'll tell you the whole story, and so I'll give away the ending and everything. Um, it's very short, but it's a beautiful picture. Onesimus is a runaway slave. He, he runs away. Uh, he doesn't want to be with his master, Philemon. He runs away, and guess what happens to him when he runs away? He comes to know Christ. He comes to know Christ, and so he's sent back. He says, you've got to go back to your your slave master, and, and his master was a believer, okay? So you have a believer, Philemon, with an unbeliever, Onesimus. It complicates everything. He comes to know 
comes to know Christ, he's sent back. But you know what the message is as he's sent back? Don't treat him as a slave. Take him back as a brother. Isn't that beautiful? The idea that a slave, uh, where they had no relationship, it was just a slave-master relationship. Now they have a brother-to-brother relationship because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's in view even this morning as we look at uh, the passage in Colossians. We don't have slavery and masters today uh, in the great city of Tehachapi and the greater outlying areas. Um, We don't have slavery. And most have taken this to be bosses and employees, right? And this morning, maybe it would be helpful for you to think through, are you a boss or are you an employee? Where would you fit in this? If this is because some of the same principles that would apply to a slave would apply to an employee and those of a boss to uh, uh, a master. And this morning, obviously, we're looking for the heart of God in the midst of his writing. So this morning, uh, you might want to think through, are you a master or are you a, a slave? And some of you who are married, you say, well, depends who's home, you know. Whether I'm a master or I'm a slave. I want to talk to you also if you're a retired person this morning. And you say, well, I'm not working anymore. I want you to ask the question, what does this have to do with being retired? Because I think it's very important. I'll get back to it at the end. And for those of you who are students here this morning, I realize that you're, uh, you're, you're saying, well, I don't have a job. I just go to school. I want to be honest with you. That is your job. That is your job. And this could be uh, some same principles in it for you, though you don't get paid, uh, though there's not a sense of enslavement, though you may think there is. uh, There is a relationship between a student and a teacher or a player and a coach and, and think those things through and how all these things relate. And really, how does your relationship with Christ fit into what you do daily? So this morning, as we uh, look at this passage, I I really believe that both for the the master and the slave, it's a question of how do you look at your day? How do you look at the, the moments that you spend, the productivity that you have? How do you look at your day? And so with that in mind, uh, let's go to the passage. It starts out in verse 22. It says, slaves... Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Obey in everything. Wow, that sounds tough, doesn't it? I, you know, it's always important to uh, to hear what the message is of Scripture. And obviously, uh, Paul could have wrote this uh, the inspiration of God and just says, "Obey your earthly masters." Okay. But why did he say in everything? Because there's a sense in which uh, the heart of man says, well, with these exceptions, you know, unless they're dumb, okay? I'll obey my earthly masters unless they're telling me something dumb or unless I have a better way or uh, unless they'll never find out. Or, you know, and the, the list goes on of ways and times where you won't obey 
and exceptions to every rule. And yet the word of God says, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. What do you think the reason is why it says earthly masters? Why does it, he used the word, why doesn't he just say masters? I think he's making a, a serious point here for us to get. That he is connecting, he is connecting our time down here on earth and our time in relationship with a slave to a master as just temporary. Just temporary. When it talks about our earthly bodies, he, he's saying it's our temporary body. Our time here down on earth, we realize there's an end to that. And we realize that that relationship that we would have with any type of boss or master would just be a temporary one. That with a teacher, it's just a temporary one, unless you're really slow and you've got to take that class over and over and over again. There's a relationship there. There's an authority structure that God places us under and places us in that he says, hey, it's just a temporary thing. But while you are in that relationship, obey in everything, your earthly master. So as we think of that, we think about how are these slaves changed by Christ? This isn't for everybody. I just want to tell you this. Once again, you've got to look at the context of the book of Colossians. He's talking about for those who have the greatness of Christ, the superiority of Christ, that they know him to be better than all and have relationship with him, that will impact the way they look at their master. They are called to obey. I want to tell you that we are called not to pick and choose what we obey. To pick and choose. Uh, I learned about this very young. I, my first job was with my father. You know, it was with my father at home, and then it was with my father at his work. He was in construction. And I remember I, I would be put with the other laborers, and they were older. They were men. Uh, they were men in their 20s. And uh, you guys are laughing when I call them men in their 20s, but uh, when you want someone to dig your ditches, you know, you don't want men in their 70s and 80s. I'll just tell you that right now. Uh, so I was with these other men, and they'd worked for my dad for a long time, and it was Christmas time. I was working during Christmas break, and I was spending some hours there, and it was real interesting. We were on this job, and it was the day before Christmas, and we were supposed to dig something or sweep something or move some pile of lumber or do something like that. And my dad was there, and we were all working and so on and so forth. And then as my dad left, it became break time. And so it was a 15-minute break. And as the young guy there, um, I didn't have a watch or care about watches. I just watched the older guys, men in their 20s, with the boss gone on the day before Christmas. And as we sat there, I, I got to thinking, I was, you know, we were just taking our 15-minute break. And um, it seemed a little bit longer than 15 minutes and then there was a discussion, oh, it's the day before Christmas, and so it's not a big deal, and, you know, my dad wasn't coming back for a while, so that drug out to half hour, 45 minutes of just hanging out there. And they were going, oh, it's the day before Christmas, don't worry about it. And I thought about that, and I probably told my dad later, but 
this feeling, this sense where we all understand that there is two different types of workers. One when the boss is watching and one when the boss is not watching. And there's a question here where he is, he is identifying these slaves and he's saying, don't pick and choose. Don't pick and choose. Obey your earthly masters. Do what they call you to do. He describes this kind of pick and choose attitude as he says, not by way of eye service or as people pleasers. Eye service and people pleasers. It's the idea of eye service is while they are watching, you're a certain way. While they see you, while they see you. I remember a time, uh, Rebecca and I, um, I think we were engaged at this time, and I, I needed I needed money. I needed a job because it's good when you're engaged to have a job <laughs> and money. You know, it's good. It's good to have a job. You young people who aren't engaged yet, I just want to plant that thought in your mind. It's good to have a plan. It's good to have a job when you're thinking of getting married. Okay? So I... I got this job with a, a party setup company that did these huge extravagant parties, and I wasn't like a decorator per se. Um, I was one that just hauled in all the decorations, okay? And there were these huge theme parties, and I remember the first job that I got to be on the huge this huge party I got to work was a two or three day uh, setup over in Las Vegas, and it was my first time with this company. And I remember uh, meeting all the, the men that I was supposed to be working with, and they were a motley crew. I mean, they were a motley crew. And I introduced myself, and they were uh, just just a rough bunch. And I'd drive over uh, to Las Vegas with this motley crew, and it was, believe me, it was a motley crew. And as we got over there, uh, we began to work. We began to work. And I remember thinking in my mind, uh, there's the boss. There's the boss. I need a job. I need a job. I want to marry Rebecca. It's a good thing to have a job. You know, I'm putting these things together. And I remember working so hard that weekend. Not because of what the scripture said, but because I knew the boss was watching. I remember watching these other loafers that I was working with uh, bail out and wimp out. And, and I'm like, no way. This is my first day. I, am, I remember getting shin splints because, the, and I'm just like, they're take, take a rest. I'm like, no, I need this job. And I was, I was passionate because they were watching. They were watching. That's not what this passage is talking about. It's not talking about working hard to get ahead. It's talking about working hard because it's right, because it is an outflow of our relationship with Christ. Not just to be seen by men. It's the idea of being seen, but also, he, he says in here, it's the idea not by way of eye service, as people pleasers. That we're not looking to that master to say, oh, you're a good worker. Uh, I, I like you. I'm pleased with your work. I, I, I like that. Do you like hearing that at your job? That you're a good worker? Absolutely. Everyone loves that, right? You love hearing, you're the best worker I have. And you kind of go, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. We love the idea of people approving for us. And he says, don't work that way. 
Don't work to be seen. Don't work to get those accolades of someone saying, oh, you're the best worker I have. There's a different motivation here. The different motivation, and it's very different, it's very different, is this. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord. It's that we have a different master, right? That we're working for a different master, that we have a different relationship. You know, if you don't know who the boss is at your work, it's kind of a nervous thing, right? You're, you're, if, that would be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? If you got a new job and you were set out to work in the midst of 100 people, but they didn't tell you who the boss was. And you're, you're constantly looking around and someone looks over at you and you're going, oh, maybe they're the boss. And so you work hard and you, you seek to please them. And then you see someone else over there that's kind of watching you and you go, oh, wait a minute, maybe they're the boss. And, you, and you're seeking to please and you're seeking to, to figure out who the boss is. And much of our life is like that. We're seeking to understand who we are going to gain approval for and who matters most. And in the midst of this, for a slave who really had no rights at all, he says, don't work for your master. Don't be an eye service people pleaser, but fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. To have a genuine heart, a, a single-minded heart. That's the picture of that word right there. It's the idea of having a single heart, not a, a, a dual heart where sometimes it's for this and sometimes it's for that. But as you are working, as you are working, working for the Lord, fearing Him. Well, how will that, what would that look like for a slave? What do you, picture a slave who's a doctor or maybe a field worker. How would that look if they did not work for the pleasure of their master, their earthly master, but that they feared the Lord in all that they did? Um, you know that feeling, right? You're, you're at work and you're loafing. You're loafing at work. You're on the computer wasting time. Or uh, you're out on the job site and you're just kind of going, ah, it doesn't matter how much we get done. It's 3 o'clock and I go home in an hour and a half. We'll just kind of put it on cruiser mode. And then your your boss walks up behind you and you, ah, hi, how are you? I was just doing a big project and I was really thinking about working really hard and I, I really had these great ideas that I wanted to share with you right now, right? It's startled, right? And then they leave and you're like, now where was I? What was I loafing about? The one who fears the Lord is just working, right? They're just working. And it doesn't matter if the boss is watching, the master is watching. It doesn't matter if they never show up because they're working for a master that always sees. The master who always sees is the one they fear. I find it interesting as this passage goes on. In verse 23, it says this, whatever you do. Verse 17 says what? Whatever you do, whatever you do. It's that same idea, that same idea. When you 
are about the things that you're about. Whatever they are, whatever they are, whatever you do, work heartily. Give it your heart as for the Lord and not for men. There's kind of a verses in here. Man versus the Lord. Who are you going to work for? Who are you going to work for? Are you going to work for the Lord who always sees, who understands you, who loves you, who cares about you, who has placed you where he's placed you? Or are you going to work for men who can't see, who may not care about you, who may uh, be unreasonable? Who are you going to work for? Man versus the Lord. And then it, the passage continues on, uh, and how does this uh, all fit together? I, I want you to hear in the end of verse 24, it says this, You are serving the Lord Christ. You're serving the Lord Christ. But I'm a slave. I'm a slave. It's wrong that there's slavery. It's wrong. I'm a slave. And he says, Who are you slaving for? Who are you slaving for? The Lord Christ. Well, that's a different story, isn't it? I have a relationship with my master. Uh, he died for me. There, there's a, a gift that he gave me. I have a relationship with him. Now, of course I'd love to serve Christ. It's this boss and this master that I could do without. He says, well, forget about your boss and your master. Because you are serving or you are slaving for the Lord Christ. That's the picture here this morning that... Uh, needs to change our perspective. It's not men that we are serving. It's not men that we are looking for the approval of. It's that we have uh, our our work ethic or our, the way we go about our job is in relationship with Christ. This is tough, isn't it? Because we're used to putting on a performance. We're used to uh, turning in a paper and having somebody else approve whether it's an A, B, C, D, or something else. We're used to that, that kind of living. We're used to uh, having our boss say, you did good or you did bad and you need to change and everything's great because of what I say. And yet what he's saying here is, make this an outgrowth of your relationship with Christ. Verse 25, uh, actually, verse 25, knowing, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive an inheritance as your reward. Who pays? Who pays? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. There's a, a sense of paycheck to this. And, and what's interesting at, um, at your job, at your job, uh, sometimes you get underpaid. Sometimes you're underpaid at your job. Sometimes you're overpaid at your job, too, Okay. Be honest, right? Good for nothing, you know. Uh, there's a sense in which sometimes we're overpaid, sometimes we're underpaid. And why is there? Why can't there be justice in that? Well, because your boss doesn't see. He doesn't have the eyes of God. And what the relationship that we have with Christ is, He sees and knows us, and He says there's an inheritance that is connected with your work. Then he goes on to say, for the wrongdoer, verse 25, will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. It means that he sees, right? 
I think that it's easy for us to say, well, everybody's doing this at work. This is the way everybody works. There is a sense where they work hard when the boss is around, but there's a sense of loafing when, when the boss isn't around. And that's just the way the world works. And in this passage, it's talking about that may be the way the world works, but we have a relationship with Christ that flows out, that flows out into that relationship that you have at work. The Lord is the one who pays. Well, and then we leak into chapter 4, and you say, well, that's not very, it doesn't seem really, you know. I want to tell you, all those numbers, the chapter numbers, the verse numbers, somebody put those in there, okay? Uh, It wasn't me either. I just want to tell you that. It wasn't me. Uh, Those are just breaks for us uh, to know where we are. They're not necessarily appropriate to chapters and verses and the idea that uh, it's the middle of a thought. So chapter 4, verse 1 really flows better. I don't know who blew it that day, whether they were not paying attention, didn't get enough sleep the night before. But chapter 4, verse 1 really goes with that, that previous section, slaves and masters. I want to point this out. If you're a boss here this morning, there are people under you that uh, have to answer to you. This is what he would say. This is a principle for us this morning. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Have you ever been the boss? Sometimes it's all, not all that fun, to be honest with you, right? In fact, every business owner that I've talked to recently uh, I, I ask them about their business, how things are and how things are going. And you know what every one of them says? Oh, it'd be great if I didn't have any employees. It's so hard to find good employees and it's so hard to train them and then they won't listen and then you got to supervise them and then you got to, uh, if they don't do what's right, then you got to go correct them and sometimes you got to fire people and you're still searching for good employees. It's just so hard to be a boss. Uh, it's also great, isn't it, right? What time does a boss got to get in, uh, into work in the morning? Whenever he wants to, right? Whenever he wants to. It may be a pile of work later, right? They can get in whenever they want. They can decide which office is theirs, which chair they sit in. They can decide uh, the, the vision for the business. They can decide uh, all kinds of different things. There's a sense of power to it that most of us love and are attracted to. We love the idea of being in charge. We love the idea of having employees that serve us, that serve us. And in the end, uh, sometimes uh, in the heart of a boss, in the heart of a master would be, oh, they're just my employee. They're just my employee. I'm the boss. I get what I want. The employee has to do what I want to do what I want. And, and sometimes as we look at structures to a business, we look at an organizational chart. We have the boss up here, and then we have all the little people down here, all the little people. And who's most important? Well, the boss is most important. And some have tried to switch that around and make that more palatable. And yet, at the end of the day, the boss holds the power and decides who's going to stay and who isn't. Well, if you can imagine how much greater this would have been with slaves and masters. How can you fire your master when he owns you? When he has rights over everything that you are, your skills, your time, your future, 
that he owns you. And how much greater of a power trip would it be for that master to say, I will do whatever I want. They don't matter. I'll tell you what matters most. It's what I want. God inspires Paul to write about his son Jesus and what an impact that would have that would change everything to, to come into relationship with Christ. And as we have this relationship with Christ, you think about how that would affect the heart of a boss or a master. As he looks upon that, that slave that he has, that employee that he has, that student that he has, that, that, uh, that, that player that he has, he looks upon them and he says, how will my relationship with Christ affect my relationship with them? And he says this, treat them fairly and justly. Be concerned about how you treat them. And you say, well, I'm the boss. I don't need to care about those things. It's just business, right? I can do what I want. I'm in charge. Paul says, no, you're not in charge. In fact, in fact, I want to tell you how this relationship works out. If you were a free man in the, the city of Colossae, um, they would treat you differently. There would be a sense of you would think of yourself differently. And even as people would come up to you, if they couldn't tell from outward adornments, they would ask you, are you a slave or are you a free man? And they'd say, I'm a free man. And if someone said, well, who's your master? They'd say, no one is my master. No one has rights over me. But look at chapter 4, verse 1. Why is a master to treat his slave just and fairly? Knowing this, this is their mindset, that you also have a master in heaven. So if you have a master, what are you? A slave, a slave. You, can you imagine how this would just rip at the heart of a, a master to say, what do you mean I have a master? I'm in charge. I can do whatever I want. I am a free man. And he says, no, you're not. Because of the gospel, you too are a slave. Wait a minute. If I'm a slave and I have slaves, okay, then we're both slaves, Right? And if they're a believer, they're a slave of Christ, and I'm a slave of Christ. And so there's a real partnership in that. That I treat them well, fair and just. That I, that I treat them not as someone lower, but as someone as an equal that has a different job. Why? Because I have a master. I have a master. And that's the overriding relationship that I have. Well, this morning I have three landing points for you. Um, this is tough to bring together, I'll admit that to you, even as we talk about slaves and masters, and you think through your own job, and, and sometimes the idea for us is that, hey, uh, I, I go to church, and I worship, and I love Christ, I, I love vacation Bible school, my kids, my family, my church family, I love all that, and then I leave that, and I go to my work, which is just an ugly place, and I just bang it out at work, and it's just a uh, survival of the fittest mentality out there. But in here, I, I, I worship Christ. And, and what this message is doing, it's saying what we do in here, how we have relationship with Christ impacts, impacts how we do everything else and especially in the workplace. 
First thing I want to tell you is you are a slave. You're a slave. You are a slave. You're a slave of Christ. I want you to get that this morning. You are a slave of Christ. If you have a relationship with him, he didn't bring you into a relationship where you are his peer, okay? That he died for you. He served you in an amazing way. But that as we accept him, we willingly become a slave of Christ without rights, without the the idea that we can go where we want, do what we want. We are a slave, a slave of Christ. You know, the, this, this idea of us being a slave, it doesn't matter if we are a slave or a master down here in the earth. It doesn't matter if we are a boss or an employee, a student or a teacher, a coach or a player, retired or just starting out. I think this morning, as uh, I identified retired people earlier, how does this impact your day? Well, um, you may not feel like this, men, but... Uh, don't worry about your wife, okay? The honeydew list, the things that she expects you to accomplish in your day, worry about the Lord, okay? You say, well, I don't have anything to do. I don't have a job to go to. You are accountable for this day, not to your wife, not to yourself, not to, but to the Lord, to the Lord. And that that is the one you work for. That is the one you serve. That, that is the one you are enslaved to. The beauty of it uh, for all of us is that he knows what's best for us. You know, as you pray, as you say, well, God, what do you want me to do with this day? He'll give you things to do. It, it might be helping out in vacation Bible school. It might be helping out around the church here. It might be serving your wife and taking her to an appointment it might be uh, calling your grandkids and asking them what you could pray for them for. There's so many different things and there's so many ways to use your time and it is not your own if you are a slave. And if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, you are a slave, not of a, a earthly master, but of Christ. Secondly, I want to tell you that your work is connected to your relationship with Christ. Do not separate the two. Do not worry about that earthly master that's out there. Bring your relationship with Christ to work with you. Think about how that impacts your relationship with your fellow employees, your relationship with your boss, and and how ask the question of Christ, how do you want me to work here today? whether you're a boss or whether you're, you're an employee, whether you're doing your own thing, have your own company, or whether you're part of a huge corporation, um, your relationship with Christ is connected to your relationship at work. Thirdly, this might be the toughest, don't complain about your work or your boss. This work that you have may be difficult, Maybe hard, hard work. It may be they may be making a reality TV show about your job because it's just horrible. Um, your boss uh, may be the most unreasonable person that you can uh, you know on the face of this earth. But as you you see that God has placed you there until He has placed you someplace else. Okay, He has placed you there. 
And he has called you to serve him there. He's called you to serve him. And the idea of us complaining or grumbling or hating our job, hating our job, the very one that we are serving him at, doesn't make sense. That's not the way Christ would have us go about us serving him daily, being his slave. You know, um, if you picture yourself as a slave, it'll be easier to accomplish this. A slave has no rights. A slave is, is connected to his master in such a, uh, a way that he never thinks about whether it's unreasonable. He just asks the question, am I going to obey? The slave doesn't have choices where he says, I'll do this, but not do this. Uh, I'll do it till this time or that time. He follows through because he is a slave of his master. This morning, I, I challenge you to not complain about your work, but to work to please the Lord where he has you. Let's pray and ask for God's grace and his mercy, his power through the Holy Spirit to accomplish this. God, thank you this morning for a great morning. God, I realize that uh, some of this <clears throat> this calling of your holy word that prompts our hearts is hard to take because uh, we've sinned this week and the, our relationships at work and the way we've gone about work. God, I ask that you would free us from being men pleasers and uh, giving eye service, that we would look to you, that we would have our relationship with you be that which drives us daily in our work. God, I thank you for the grace of the gospel. I think about what would drive me to become a slave, and it's nothing, nothing apart from having a great master who would lay down his life for me. God, I pray that we would think about the gospel in the midst of our day, and that that would be reflected in the work that you've called us to. God, thank you for this, this time where we would gather as the church. Bless your church. Bear Valley Church, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. You are dismissed.